I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries, and uh, I'm teaching on Wednesday on a particular subject. We're talking about faith, about particularly faith and love. And these are two words that most people don't have any idea what they mean. I didn't know even when I was a young preacher. I wasn't studying that much in the Greek until I got older, until I got close to 40. And I've been studying the Greek and the Hebrew incessantly for 40, going on 42 years. I want to know the defined truth of the Word of God. Now, we, we've been talking about faith and no faith. You've got all, this would be, this would actually be part two of this series. Part two. Faith. I didn't know what faith or believe meant as a young preacher. I thought, well, the Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be saved and we're saved by grace through faith. And I didn't know if they were two different words or what. They're the basic same word. One is the verb. Believe is the verb. That If it's a verb, a verb shows action or state of being. And of course, a being verb are the ones that are not acting. Uh, be, is, am, are, was, were. Being, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. Those are the being verbs. They show no action. Well, I knew that uh, there was something that I couldn't figure out when I was young. What What does believe mean? That's an action verb. That's something you do. I'm talking about faith is something you do. And this really upsets those independent Baptists I was raised around. They always want to go to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of works, not of works. Lest any man should boast. And they have studied the good works of God. Good works. And every time you find the word works... It will be, nearly every time, will be ergon. And we are created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. We're the workmanship of God and he is creating us in Christ Jesus unto good works. That comes right after Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I never heard any Baptist preachers quote verse 10. We are his workmanship, poema. Poema means something like a tapestry. The way God makes us a tapestry is he puts us through fire, trials, persecution, persecution, every kind of problem you can think of to get rid of self, and he ends up with a tapestry 
are a mosaic, which is us as we grow older. Or a mosaic. It's like a tapestry or mosaic. So we are his, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to agathos, A-G-A, T-H-O-S, which is a common word, good, or beneficial. So you got the beneficial works of God, and then you have the works of the devil. Works are the ergon, E-R-G-O-N, of Satan. But we're created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God hath before ordained. What does that mean, before ordained? Well, the word in the Greek is the word pro etoio, E-T-O-I-M-A-Z-O. Z-O. Pro etoio It comes from pro which means before. That's our word pre. And hetoimas, H-E-T-O-I-M-A-S, which means to fit up beforehand or in advance. When did that happen? God has preordained us before the world began. Before the world began. Because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Well, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Who is he slain for? For his wife, his bride, the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Doesn't say it says it in the King James Bible, but the word is aute. Aute is a form of A-U-T-O. That's our word auto itself. When it has an eight on the end of it, it's feminine gender. This is her. He died for her, his wife, his bride. His wife. Before ordained, that means he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. That's when he ordained us for good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in the good works, and that's the same thing. Walk in them. That's the same thing as predestinate. He's predestined us. Predestinate is the word prohorizo. Prohorizo. And pro means before. And horizo, there's a little diacritical mouth there, that has an H sound, horizo. And the Latins put an N on that word. It means to predetermine for the horizon or for the light, and that's Christ. That's Jesus. And he pro before determined for the light, and he did that the same time he's back here before. It has the same meaning as before ordained. Proetoi mazo. So before ordained means it goes right with every verse that talks about Christ was the lamb slain from the beginning. Our names were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That's the before every time you find before and proetoi mazo or prohorizo. 
before he has before determined us for the light of the horizon. So you've got before ordained. And that has the same thing. Uh, he's predestined us to be conformed to the image icon. This is Romans 8 and 29. Likeness of Jesus. He's predetermined that we would walk in these, in this poema that he's ordained us to, and he's before ordained it, that would be like Christ, and he preordained that before the world began. You've got before the world began over and over and over mentioned in the Bible. So what I've had people say, how can you walk in truth? How can you take your cross and die daily? You don't have to know how. You will do it. And God will put it in you to do it. If he never does put it in your heart to desire to walk righteously and to live right. If he never does till the day you die, you didn't belong to God and you are a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction. You have to have the desire to change. And you can't conjure it up in yourself because there's none that seeketh after God. If nobody seeks God, how are you going to get there? He has to put it in your heart. When people write and say, how can I take a daily cross? You don't have to worry about that. How can I deny self? You don't have to worry about that either. You will do it. Because those are commands. Even when he said, we're about to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the be- from the beginning... Chosen you to salvation. So let's just say all this back here is the beginning or before the world began or and he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us, Ephesians 1 and 4, that we should be holy and without blame. Blame. Well, that's not your nature. You're not holy. And he's predestined you to be holy. How do you get holy? It's really not hard. It's fairly simple. Holy is the word hagios. And it means single. Or pure. Single or pure. How do you take gold and make it pure? You put it in the fire and you turn up the heat so hot when you the hotter you make gold, every other metal will scorch and burn out. There was an article in Reader's Digest this past month, very interesting. I'm going to read some out of it. I'm just going to give you one example. They said if you took one ounce of gold, and as believers we're considered golden vessels, if you took one ounce of gold, one ounce, that's all, it would stretch for 50 miles, and you wouldn't be, it'd be so thin you wouldn't be able to see it but it would stretch that far. 
That's how pure it is. And when it the it's the purest, it will it will you can put it into any mold and it'll take the shape of the mold. And it's pure, the purest of pure, it's liquid gold. That's what the purest of gold is, it's liquid. So so and the tribe of your faith is more precious than gold that perish. The whole idea is God is making us is making us to walk in these this poema, this this tapestry's made it into, and he's before ordained for it to Amadzo for us to be conformed or to walk when the Bible says to walk in them that's the same thing as his likeness, as Christ's likeness. But it takes fire and trials. It takes one of my favorite subjects in the Bible and expresses it in our lives. You don't have to figure out how to believe God. I have never been so at ease as I have been in these last few years about witnessing to people. Everybody out there in the world is already a vessel of mercy or they are a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction or they're a vessel of wrath. And that happened before the foundation of the world. And there are more vessels of wrath, more of them than there are vessels of mercy. How do you know that? Because the Bible says, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few find the narrow way. And narrow, the libo, the libo is a form of the word thelipsis. P-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, I'll get in a minute. And thelipsis is the word tribulation. So tribulation, one is the verb and the other is the noun. Tribulation is the way, the narrow way, and only a few will find the narrow way. Well, tribulation is what will make us walk in these, in this before ordained good works. That's what tribulation does. It is that inner man demanding that the outer man give up self or the flesh. I keep saying we've got an inner man, which is Christ. We have an outer man, which is self. Paul said that. I didn't say that. He said that. He said the inner man serves the law of God and the outer man serves the flesh. And he said, O wretched man that I am, it is me. I've got this outer man in me. I think this is more comforting than just about anything I can tell the congregation. Knowing that every one of us have an outer man, and you wonder why you can't get rid of your sin, don't you? Have you ever wondered that, Connie? Why can't I quit doing this? I mean, I've talked to so many of y'all. I've talked to Kelvin on the phone. He said, why is it I want to do the things I don't want to do? Because you've got an outer man in you. Everybody's guilty of that, aren't we? 
we're all guilty. But the older you live, you get, the longer you live, the more tribulation and more narrow the way is, and the more of this good works you are getting involved in that you will be foreordained to, then the more of likeness of Christ is what you're predestined to that you're going to be. I feel sorry for people that are not 82 years old. Because <laughs> I am. And I and I don't want the things I used to want. I'm not frustrated over life anymore. And you say, Jim, I want to get there. Well, just wait. And you will if you live to be in your 80s. It's the way life works. Don't get in a hurry. It don't happen in a hurry. Now, so everything that says from the beginning, we're about to give thanks always to God, always to God for you, brothers, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. He's chosen you to be one of His from the beginning. All these pros in these words. That means from the beginning. Prohorizo. From the beginning. Every time you find a pro, that is our prefix pre, and it means from the foundation of the world. And you'll notice you find that through a lot of verses in the Bible. In fact, let me see if I can't thumb a couple of these through. Look over here in Romans 16. Romans. 16. All right. Romans, I believe this is the one I want. Romans 16. Look here in verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation (coughs) of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. The revelation of the mystery. What is the... And he's writing to a Roman church. What is the word revelation? Apocalypsis. We get the word apocalypto from that. Apocalypto is the word revealed. Revealed and revelation are basically the same word. Apo means a removal of the calypto, the cover. And God doesn't reveal himself to everybody. He only reveals himself to whom he desires and wills to reveal himself. Look over here in in uh, Luke. Look in Luke, the 10th chapter. In all of this, if God already has his people picked up from the foundation of the world, how much convincing do you need to give to people? And how much of the Bible do you need to get exactly in some kind of chronological form? You know, give the people truth, any kind of truth. And if it's the truth, they'll, if they have been chosen from the foundation of the world, you don't have to convince your family of anything. They've already been chosen or they've been rejected by God as vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. You can't convince anybody of anything. You know what this does for you if you come to this? 
makes it real easy to witness. I'll just tell anybody anything at any time. I don't care. I tell my doctors. I tell them. I'll tell them Christmas is pagan. I'll tell them God doesn't love everybody. Real simple. If they are a vessel of mercy, which God hath before provided the glory, they'll start getting a hold of it. They may reject it at first. They can't forget what you said to them if they're vessels of mercy. Can you understand that? You don't have to convince anybody of anything. That's like a Baptist. They got to convince some guy and put his arm behind his back and say, repeat this prayer after me. That's a bunch of baloney. It's wrong. We're here to tell people the truth, not to convince anybody. I've had people call me and say, how can I convince my mother? I've got this friend, and they want to argue with me. Don't argue with them. Say, excuse me, I have something else to do. i got to go look for a sheep. Leave them alone. It sure, it sure makes witnessing easier when you realize you're not going to get them to a point of praying a prayer. He's going to tell them the truth, and God will convict their heart if he wants them. If he has wanted them from the foundation of the world. And look here. So he speaks of a revelation of the mystery since the world began. Well, look over here in Luke 10. Luke, the 10th chapter. All right. In verse 21, And that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent of the world. Wise, so false, means worldly wisdom. Prudent means people who want to look after themselves which is worldly, and hath revealed them unto babes. We're called babes in Christ. Revealed. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. Why? Because God hadn't revealed it to him. And who the Father is but the Son, and one other person knows. And to he to whom the Son will reveal him or himself to. So God has to reveal to us. And it's a mystery that's been hidden. Mystery, Mysterion, means the unrevealed facts. Mysterion. So, we're talking about, when you're talking about what has been from the foundation, well, I think i got a verse here in Luke. Let me look at this, Luke 24. All right. Luke 24. No, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, Here's what I'm trying to get over to you. 
All of this is about what we do. Like Jesus is doing the truth. That's what John says over there in the third chapter of John. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. And this goes against the nature of all those Baptists that say, or say by grace through faith and not of, not of works. Well, if we're creating Christ Jesus into good works, that's our doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Everything that righteousness and faith is about, it's about what we do. What do you mean what we do? Are we saved by works? No. But we're saved unto good works. And God's going to put it in our hearts. It's God that works in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. It's God that works in our hearts and causes us to do right and causes us to do the truth and causes us to conform to the likeness of Christ. You don't have to worry about how to do it. He's going to teach you. He will put it in your heart and teach you how to do the truth. Let me show you what believing is. Believing is doing. Faith works. And believe believing is doing. Well, is doing the same thing as working? Well, yeah, it is. Look here in John 6. This will help you to see something. This verse hit me some time ago, and I thought, wow, what a... This will tell you that believe is doing. It's what you do. God has to change you into a new creation and put faith in your heart. And when he puts faith in your heart, you've been doing the works of God. And your faith will grow. If your faith grows, faith grows, guess what? Your doing will grow. Right? Will grow. And if your doing grows, your faith grows. Look here. Remember, believe is the verb form of faith. Look here in John 6. This is an amazing verse. Verse, look at verse 28. Then said the Pharisees unto Jesus, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Every time you see work, it's the word our God. It means to toil or labor. We want to do the labor of God, not the labor of the flesh. And then he says here in verse 29, Jesus answered and said, This is the work of God that ye believe. Believing is, believe is not. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe he lived. Well, you believe what he said? Well, yeah. Well, do you believe in predestination? Well, I don't believe in that. Then you don't believe God. If you hate predestination, you hate the word of God. 
I noticed everybody that's free will, not only do they hate predestination, but they hate a daily cross, they hate death to self, they hate self-denial, they hate Christmas is pagan, they hate predestination, they hate looking at the Bible from a from a mathematical viewpoint, everything has to blend together. They don't like any of it. I don't even like to talk to a free will person about anything because they don't believe nothing. If you tell them, if you tell them, we're going to be changed at the last trump, and that'll be when we're taken out of this world, and that'll be the last trump. Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twink of an eye, at the last trump. And that there's trumpets that sound at the very end of time. Well, you're taking away my pre-trip rapture. That's my easy out. And that's exactly wrong. This is the work of God that you believe on him who he hath sent. Well, if you believe, that's God's work. God's ergon. You can't get away, get out of works, not for salvation. But works are what God does in his people after he's chosen them and births them into his kingdom. Then he says, now you're going to go to work and I'll show you how I'm going to prove that. I'm going to beat you with a scourge until you become holy. And we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. Without blame is the word amomos. A-M-O-M-O-S. Mamos means to blame somebody for something they did. The alpha privative negates the word. It means no blame. Well, the part that's not blamed is the inner man, Christ in you. I'm going to quote it again. I quote it nearly every time I get up and I mention this. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. If you've been born again, there's a part of you that cannot sin. For his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. That's the inner man that cannot sin. That's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Are you saying that Christ can sin? No. The same writer. That's in First John 3 and 8. Or 3 and 9. Excuse me. 3 and 9. And then First John 1 and 8. That's why I got the 8. 1 and 8 says. If we say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The truth is in us. And it makes us admit that we have sin in this outer man. And trials and tribulation and persecution brings us to a place where we're going to walk in the good works of God and conform to the image, the icon, and the likeness of Jesus. To Christ's likeness. That's all. You cannot walk the aisle and get saved and not do nothing with your life. There's no such thing. I keep saying the very picture of salvation and saved is found in one verse in the New Testament, Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Saved is the whole process. And in that being saved, he's going to cause you to do Truth to do 
righteousness. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Righteous comes from the word right. It's the word D-I-K-A-I-O-O is the word righteous. And D-I-K-E is the word right in the Greek. You're going to do right, and that will be conforming to the image of his Son. That will be the good works that we have been preordained should walk in them. Now, let me give you a couple more verses on do. Look over here in Acts. Look in the 20, in the uh, 29th verse of Acts 5. Acts 5, 29. Now, Peter was uh, arrested by the police, (laughs) by the cops. He was arrested and put in jail. And in five, and they put him in prison. And they had been preaching Jesus. And the Pharisees had threatened Peter and John, if you keep preaching this name, we're going to beat you. They told him that in the fourth chapter of Acts. So they take Peter and put him in prison. And an angel of God comes to the prison where Peter is and releases Peter from prison. I don't know how he did it because the jailers come after all this happened and they check the locks and the doors, and all the locks are secure. And there's no way that he could have got out, unless an angel brought him out. Well, Peter, and they're found in the temple preaching. And they're threatened again by these same Pharisees. And they say in verse 28 of chapter 5, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? We told you that in that fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter when they take them and they're preaching. Verse 18 of the fourth chapter. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all. Nor nor teach in the name of Jesus. Said we're going to beat you for this. Well, they catch him again after the angel of the Lord releases him from prison. Said, didn't we straightly tell you that you can't preach in this and this doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? To bring blood upon someone. When the Pharisees would say, his blood be upon us, kill him. That means to have the blame for it. They didn't want to be blamed. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. There's another word, obey. Uh, We ought to hoop, A-K-O-U-O. Akuo is the word here. Hoopakuo is the word obey. It means to, we're subordinate to God, not to man. And it's amazing. Let's read some more of this chapter. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Whoa! 
they're telling the Pharisees this. They're blaming him for the death of Jesus. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given them that obey him. You don't get heaven or you don't get the Holy Spirit which is the truth unless you're obedient to God. You have no truth without obeying God. You say, Jim, I can't do all the things you do. You're not supposed to do what I do. You're supposed to do what you can do. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom little is given, little is required. See, everybody doesn't have the same amount. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and said, Let's kill these apostles. Let's slay them. And a man stands up among the Pharisees. Same man that was Paul's teacher, Gamaliel. And he's a very wise man. He says some very wise things. He's one Pharisee that evidently knew something about the truth. Watch what he says. Then stood up there of one of one in the council. Council is the word Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was 70 Pharisees in Jerusalem. They sat in a semicircle, and the man condemned would stand in the middle of them, and they would they would examine the man and then give whatever penalty he deserved. And Gamaliel was one of those 70. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, the doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Stop, set them aside, let me say something to you. And Gamaliel said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. Take heed. And take heed as I like that word, prosecco. It means pay attention. Pay attention to what you're doing. You may be doing something wrong. People need to be reminded to pay attention. What that means is to examine every facet of the situation. For there, for before these days rose up Thutis, evidently a man that was bringing about some kind of insurrection, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400 joined themselves who was slain and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to nothing brought to naught after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him he also perished this Judas did and all as many as obeyed him they were destroyed and dispersed too. Pay attention to what these men are saying. And here is some of the best advice. This is advice to 
young men who've come here and wanted to stop me and stop this ministry and told lies about me and sent letters out about me that were not true. But what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Let God fight my battle. I pray that prayer every time I pray. Fight our battles for us. And here's Gamaliel's advice. Refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or the work of men, if it's of men, it will come to naught. If it's men's working, it won't, it won't prosper. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. That's good advice, isn't it? <laughs> I'd like to say to all these young men that have come here and decided, decided it was the time for them to be the pastor here, you better take this good advice, boys. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. That's who you're fighting against. When you think you're fighting me, you're not. You're fighting God. I would be afraid to come up against a man I believe was God's man. There's some preachers I don't agree with some of the things they're saying, and I'll say it, but I don't mean they're vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. I don't believe, I don't agree with John MacArthur's. A lot of don't believe in his stand old Christmas, the rapture, the millennium, any of that. He's real good on predestination sometimes. But I believe he's a believer. I believe he's got a lot of error in his thinking. And then he, what happens, what they said they would do in the fourth chapter happens in verse 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they told him, they told him, if you keep preaching his name, we're going to beat you. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go, and they didn't pay any attention to that, did they? Look over here in first in third John. Third John. We're talking about obedience to God. Faith obeys God, doesn't it? It certainly does. Here's a verse I really love, these verses right here. Third John. Let me explain something to you. In first, second, third John, John is always talking about love or agape. Agape is walking in the commandments of God. Second John six says this is love. That's this chapter's previous book. This is love that we walked after after his commandments. Well, he talks about love through this whole chapter. Second John is one chapter. He says, let me explain this, and people have tried to make this something that it's not. The elder, John, the beloved, to the elect lady, and people, I've heard, read some of the stupidest comments. I wonder if he's talking to a woman over there where he's writing to. The word lady is the word curia. K-U-R-I-A. It's the female of K 
L-O-R-D-U-R-I-O-S, which is the word Lord. He's writing to the church, the wife, the bride of Christ. That's the elect lady. Elect eclectos. He's elected us unto obedience. E-K-L-E-K-T-O-S. Eclectos. The elect lady, the church. He's writing to the church. And her children. (laughs) That would be us. Whom I love, agape, in truth. You can't agape outside of truth. I love in truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Once you get the truth, it will never leave your heart. Grace be unto you, and peace from peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. In truth, all of these words, love or agape, that was a relationship that fathers had for their families, that that kings had for their subjects, and they willingly walked in them. That's what the sixth verse of this chapter says. Let's read down to it. I rejoice greatly that I've found of thy children walking in truth, truth in love, How can love and truth be the same thing? Truth is the word aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. Aletheia comes from lanthano. Lanthano, and lanthano means to hide or conceal. The alpha privative negates the word that follows And this negates lanthano means not to hide anything, not to conceal anything. Well, that's also what love is. Love doesn't conceal anything. When you read verse 6, you read truth and love are basically the same thing. Let's read 5 and 6. Now I beseech you, lady... Not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love agape, or agapao, one another. And you want to know what love is? I'm going to define it for you. Verse 6, this is agape, that we walk after his commandments. Isn't that the same thing as truth? You take the cover off, it means to remove this cover, it's the same thing as revealed. It means not to hide anything. That's truth. Revealed apocalypto means to remove apo, the cover. Well, if you remove the cover, you're not hiding anything, are you? So truth and agape are basically the same thing. I said last week, agape and covenant are the same thing. When you look up covenant in the theological word book of the Old Testament, they'll tell you that that was an agreement between 
the king and his subjects. That's the same thing as agape. That's the same thing as truth. If you'll notice, you can match up these words and they all seem to say the same thing. I keep saying this is the word of God, not words of God. It's the one word. And then he says, and this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And then he says, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Boy, that's confusing if you don't know what the flesh is. The is the word te. Flesh is S-A-R-X. That's an X. That's an X. Well, I did it backwards. That's an X. And this is feminine gender. And this is feminine gender. There are those that will not confess that Christ is come in the feminine flesh. And what is the feminine flesh? It's his wife, his bride. John says the same thing over in First John. Well, he said this is a deceiver and an antichrist. If you do not believe that Christ, that the Christ is come in our flesh and we're the wife, the bride of Christ. He says the same thing over here. And when he's come in our flesh, he, that's the inner man that requires the outer man to die so you can be doing the truth. Now, go back to First John 4. It says the same thing here. Chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits. Now that word try, dokimazo, means to put in the fire. Find out if it's the Holy Spirit, which is truth. The Holy Spirit is the same thing as the truth. It's the same thing as revealed. The Holy Spirit is truth. Holy Spirit, that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And First John, or John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, John fifteen, twenty six, John sixteen, thirteen, First John five and six says the Spirit is the truth, and that's what's revealed in us, and that's that's what leads us and makes us believe God, and that's the likeness of Christ, the truth living in us, and that's what we do and what we're elected to. So truth and agape is walking in God's commandments. Well, that would be what's revealed. That would be the truth. And that would be all of these things that we're saying up here. All right. Now, Look at 1 John 4. This is very confusing if you don't know something about the words. Beloved, believe not every spirit. The Holy Spirit's truth. If it's not, a, if it's not the defined truth, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's your emotions. 
Paul said, some will come preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. If it's another spirit, it's not the true spirit. If it's another Jesus, it's not the real Jesus. If it's another gospel, it's not the true gospel. And I'm afraid that's what most of these preachers in America are preaching are the other Jesus. Try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world preaching this other spirit, this other Jesus, this other gospel. Here's how you know the Spirit of God. Right here, he's going to tell you. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That sounds like everybody that confesses that Jesus walked around in a physical body, that they're of God. That's not what it's saying. It says every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is coming. Tay Sarks S A R X Feminine gender, feminine gender. The only way you can tell the true spirit is that the truth, which is the spirit, the love of God abides in in us that's how you know and then let's go on and read a little more of this hereby know ye the spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God in the feminine flesh which is the wife the bride of Christ and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the feminine flesh which is the church the wife the bride of Christ is not of God and this is the spirit of Antichrist. You are Antichrist if you don't believe truth is in a believer. You're not the Antichrist. The only place Antichrist is mentioned is first and second John. It's the only place. You're opposing Christ. Anti means opposition. Whereof you have heard that it shall come even now already is it in the world. Now I'm trying to help you to see that faith works. Faith obeys God. It does not. Faith is not something you have. And. And you don't have. Grace is basically the same thing as faith. It's the same thing as truth. Let me show you something here in Philippians 129. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Philippians 1. Now I want you to notice these words. Verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. You've got to pay attention to every word in this verse. It is given to you. The word given is a form of grace. Given is the word charizomai. In the Greek, you've got all kinds of morphemes. Those are word shapes. Morphemes comes from morphe which means to shape. 
Now there were there were shapes. The word grace is the word charis. It means favor that is unmerited. You didn't do anything. And the Bible proves that itself when it says there's none that seeks after God. There's none good. Nobody wants truth. None good. So if God is ever in your heart, he has to put faith in your heart. He has to put love in your heart. He has to shed it abroad in your heart. Shed abroad. Shed abroad. When the Bible says that the love of God was shed abroad. That's over in Romans, the fifth chapter. Let's look at that real quick. Romans, the fifth chapter. And all these, if you'll notice, go together. Romans 5. Ekeo is the word shed abroad. E-K-C-H-E-O. It means to gush out or become like a big flood. And it says here, so shed abroad would have to do with love, and that's walking in God's commandments. Truth is not hiding anything of the commandments of God. And all of these words go together. All of them that we've been defining. Love, faith, works by agape, by walking in the commandments. So faith has to do with the commandments of God. And he says here in verse 5, Hope maketh not ashamed because the agape, the love of God, or walking in God's commandments, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is the truth which is given unto us. So, shed abroad means that's when God, really stop and think about this, shed abroad, God splattered it all over our hearts. That would be the same thing as he said in first in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, when he writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts. That would be shedding abroad his truth or his agape in our hearts, wouldn't it? Shed abroad and writing are the same thing. And he says the same thing in Hebrews 8 and 9 that I've shed abroad, that I've written upon fleshy tables of your heart. So writing and shed abroad has the same meaning as when he put truth or love or agape in our hearts. He wrote his law in our hearts. And the law would be the same thing as love, be the same thing as truth. It'd be the same thing as agape. Notice how all these things come together. Now go back over to Philippians one twenty nine. For unto you it is given. That word given is a form of the word grace. Given. Corinzomai. It's a form of charis, the word grace. 
It means to grant as a favor. God has granted you the favor to do something. And here's the favor he's granted you. Because you have to be favored with this. We're elected unto obedience. So elect would have to do with charizomai. Elect, eclectos, means to favor. Because God wouldn't favor anybody. That's what grace is. It's favor. He's favored you to believe and be obedient. Well, it says not only to believe on him, but he has favored you to believe. That verse is saying God's favored you to believe, but that's not all. He's favored you to do. <clears throat> when you do the truth, <clears throat> he that doeth truth comes to the light. Faith works by love. Faith does. And if he's favored you, this is something that we have to do because he imperatively commands it. Not only to believe upon him, but also to suffer for his sake. He's given you the favor, and that comes from the word grace. It also has other words connected to it, kara. Kara is the word joy. Joy. But you can't, and it's also the word rejoice. The Bible says, agape, or charity, which are the same word in the Greek, Agape rejoiceth not. Agape rejoiceth not. It doesn't have kara with iniquity. Now that's really an interesting word. Because iniquity has to do with the law. And it has to do with sin. And it has to do with unbelief. Apistis, A-P-I-S-T-I-S, is the common word unbelief. Which means no, the alpha primitive, faith. It means no faith. Well, the Bible says you cannot rejoice there in 1 Corinthians 13 and it says you cannot rejoice or have joy with iniquity boy that takes you to church separation church discipline and boy a lot of people misuse church discipline they don't know how to evaluate it the Bible says, if anyone follows any other doctrine, do not bid them Godspeed and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. I've had people come to this church and say, she's a vessel of wrath and he's a vessel of wrath. You don't know that. If people are hungry for the truth, don't think that everybody's got it together today. 
A vessel of wrath is one that has absolutely no interest in the truth. And they don't care about it. And they may be a preacher down the street that's not interested in the truth when he tell them Christmas is pagan, Easter's pagan, God doesn't love everybody. It can be a Baptist preacher as well as it can be some drug dealer down on Broadway. They have to have no interest in the truth. But when somebody's coming here and trying to study truth with us and you, and you get mad at them over some personal thing or you don't think they're living the way you ought, they ought to live and you make a judgment on them, they're vessels of wrath. I've had people here call one another that come here vessels of wrath. That's ridiculous. First of all, you probably need to repent if you do that. But you cannot rejoice with iniquity. Iniquity equals sin. Let me show you that. And iniquity, iniquity is the word A-N-O-M-I-A. It's a construction of the alpha privative and nomos. Nomos is the Greek word law. Law. And the alpha is a negative particle in front of a word negates the word. It means no law. That's what iniquity means. It means lawless. But what's amazing about iniquity, it's construction of nomos, which means legally... Prescribed food. Food for animals. In our case, we are sheep. And that is our food is the law. Jesus said, I have a meat to eat of that you apostles know not of, and it is to do the will of the Father. So he says, the food that I eat is God's law, and that's by legally prescribed food for sheep. That's what the word means. The Alpha Privative says, no food, no legal food for sheep. It means unlawful food. Unlawful food. That would be unlawful food. Where did that start? In the garden. And it started, let let me go over here to the end of the board. Unlawful food started in the garden. Didn't it? God says you can eat of all the trees in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Had a garden. Had a tree in the midst of the garden. Make a Christmas tree out of it. I believe that's what it is. And you cannot eat of that tree, but you can eat of all these trees out here. And this is lawful food, these other trees... But that's iniquity unlawful. 
That has to do with the mark of the beast also. I won't go into. I'll go into it later. Mark, karagma, comes from the word. Karax means a stake on a boundary line. You can't go on to go beyond the boundary and go to that stake. You eat of these. So all of these are nomos. These here. The unlawful food is iniquity that was described in that second, third chapter of Genesis. What's amazing, the word sin, and I'm getting to the point, unbelief is sin. Sin is the word H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. Hamartia is the word sin. And I've looked at that in its feminine gender. Why would it be feminine gender? Well, for one thing, Eve was the first person that partook of the tree. And she was a female. But that wasn't all there was to it. There's two people in the world. There's two mountains, Babylon, the mother of harlots, that's feminine. Babylon, mother, Revelation 17 and 5. And there is Zion, which is God's mountain, and that is the mother of us all, mother of believers there in Galatians 4, of us all. So that's all there is in the world, either believers and they're feminine. And do we sin? Oh, yeah, that outer man sins. And Babylon, the mother of harlots and all the vessels of wrath, they are feminine. So sin would be feminine. Sin is a construction of meros, which means a portion to eat of, eat of, and the alpha privative. Now the H comes from the diacritical mark. There's no H's in the Greek, but the, on but when you have in the Greek, the diacritical mark is an H sound. Ha, ha, ha. It's a breathing sound. So actually, Amaras, no legal portion. This word Maros, the Bible, when the Bible says there in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, that we are members in particular, the word particular is the word Maros. It means a portion to eat of. That's how we partake of the body of Christ, the church. And then... When Jesus walked up to the the apostles in northern Galilee after he resurrected from the dead in the 24th chapter of Luke, he said, have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of fish, a meros of fish. The alpha in front of that translates hamartia, or the word sin, means no legal food or no portion to eat of spiritually. Well, that would be the same thing as these trees here. So hamartia 
and iniquity would have basically the same meaning, no lawful food, because you want to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. That's that's exactly true by definition. Now, all right. So, where was I going to go here? So we're talking about iniquity being unlawful food, hamartia, the word sin. Let me show you what I was going to show you about unbelief, unbelief equals sin. There's three basic definitions. Two real good definitions for sin in the New Testament. How much time do I have, Mike? 20. 20. Let me see if I can give you these. Let me give you something I've been meaning to give you for several weeks. It's going to take me a while to get through this. Go to Go to Romans, the fourth chapter. This takes explaining the whole chapter, but this says unbelief is sin. The word unbelief is A-P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis is the word faith. The alpha privilege negating the word, meaning no faith equals sin. That's what this chapter says. The last verse in this chapter says that very thing. Fourteenth chapter. But I got to go through this whole chapter to explain twenty-third verse of the fourteenth chapter of Romans, because you can't understand it just by reading the verse. And he says, "He that doubteth, diacrino." which is also unbelief, where Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, staggered, this is in Romans 4 and 18, 19, let's just say 17 through 19, that God calls things that be not as though they were, and he quickens the, he quickens the dead, quicken means to make alive, Calling something that was not was to raise somebody from the dead. And God was speaking of the dead loins of Abraham and the dead womb of Sarah when they were both 100. Abraham was 100 years old when Sarah had Isaac and Sarah was 90 years old and she didn't ovulate anymore. But God saw to it. Abraham had no more seed. God saw to it that he made their bodies alive. And quickened them. That's calling things that be not. Now. Let's read this right here. This last verse. He that doubteth is damned. Abraham staggered not. Staggered. Is the word diacrino. Which is the same word as doubt. In this 23rd verse. Diacrino means to 
judge. Quino is the word judge. Dia means the channel of judging. That's where you start judging what's right and wrong. And Abraham did not stagger at God's promise, even though he was too old to have have any children. He staggered not through unbelief. Unbelief is A-P-I-S-T-I-S. No faith. Abraham had faith. He didn't have no faith. And stagger is the word decrino. He that doubteth is damned if he eat. This is talking about what you eat in front of other people and cause them to fall. This is not talking about damned to hell. This word is katokrino. means to judge against or sentence. Katokrino. It means to judge down. It means to condemn downward. And he's talking about people in this chapter who eat certain things. They eat according to Levitical law of Leviticus 11. Because he that eateth not of faith. Faith means death to self. He's talking about don't cause, don't offend people by saying I'm free to eat whatever I want to eat. It's like going out with a Jew and when you go to a restaurant and tell the waiter I want a ham sandwich. You wouldn't do that with a Jew, just intentionally to offend him since they didn't believe in eating ham. And then he says these famous words, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Not of faith is the same thing as apistis, isn't it? No faith. A-P-I-S-T-I-S, which is unbelief. Apistus means no faith. So that is sin. So if you are partaking in front of people of things that you shouldn't be partaking of in order just to offend them, and we're not just talking about food, we're talking about anything. I don't believe in big fancy cars for preachers and for believers. I didn't say I didn't believe in a new car if you need to go buy a new Chevrolet. But to buy a $100,000 Mercedes is foolish. It's just the only reason people buy big supercars is to show off. I know. I've done that. It's say, look at my car. You ain't got my car. Look at mine. I've got this car. And ain't this wonderful? Well, you got your reward. So unbelief is sin. That's one of the, there's one of the definitions of sin. And everything that unbelief is, every time you find the word diacrino, that's staggering at God's promise. That's you become the judge. You judge downward and you become the diacrino and you have doubted when you doubt God, you decide to become the vessel of judging. That's what diacrino means. Now, let me give you two other verses on the definition of sin, okay? In James, go to James. 
in the book of James, the fourth chapter. Sin is just being into self. That's all it is. That's what you're into self when you go ahead and partake of something in front of somebody that that intimidates them or it it oppresses them. Look here in James, the fourth chapter. And what James tells us is kind of sobering about what sin. Here's the definition for sin. James, fourth chapter. And here in the fourth chapter, it will tell you, All right. Well, let me give you this other one first. Oh, let's go ahead and read fourth chapter. Verse 13. Go to now you that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there and a year and buy and sell, and we're going to really get game. I'm going to build me a company, and I'm going to do great things, and I'm going to make a lot of money, and I'm going to do this, and it's all about me. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor. It's a shadow. It's soon cut down, Job tells us, that appears for a little time and then gone. I'll be 82 in May, and I feel like life has just flown by me. Just That's why I'll say I'm not going to live long. I don't mean I've got some deathly illness. I mean, when you're 82, you can't live much longer than that. If I live to be 90, it would be a miracle. Well, that's just eight years away. The last eight years have flown through my life. And here's what you ought to say, and this has to do with sin. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings and your alazon. That's the basic same word as in 1 John 2, 16. All that's in the world. And this was what was in the tree. It all goes back to the garden. All in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's what Eve saw in the tree, a tree that was good for food. It was pleasant to the eye, and it make her wise. Lust is the word epithumia. E-P-I-T-H-U-M-I-A. And that means to long for that which is forbidden, the tree in the midst of the garden. And that's what was in the tree. Lust means to long for that which is forbidden. The tree in the middle of the garden was forbidden. And that's distributing the fortunes of the world. And that word pride is alazonia. A-L-A-Z-O-N-I-A. That word means self-esteem, self-confidence. 
It's all about self, and that's what Babylon was built on. Let us make us a name. It's all about the same thing. Self has got to die. That's the outer man. And then he goes on to say, you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing. Bragging is evil about what you're going to do. Verse 17 is the definition about this bragging and boasting. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, that's not the word agathos, that's the word kalos. It means to do what is beautiful in the eyes of God, and it's the same word as honest. You're not being honest when you're bragging. And that's a definition for sin. All it's about is self. It's what I'm going to do. If all you think about is you, the Bible says we're not to look every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think about others. God first, others second, and you're last in line. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, let me give you... So, the bragging has to go... The only reason people buy fancy cars is because they want to show off. The only reason they buy a diamond ring is to show off. I don't think diamond rings make a beautiful woman more beautiful. I think it takes away from her beauty. I don't see how diamonds, when Elizabeth Taylor was young, she was one of the most beautiful women in the world. I don't see how diamonds can make her prettier. I don't see that at all. I think diamonds takes away from what you really are. You may have a great personality and a, and very astute in business. I think diamonds will take that away from you. I don't think diamonds make you prettier. Why people think that way, I don't know. Look over. And, now let's get the last definition for sin. And they all have to do with that tree in the garden. This is the, in 1 John 3. You can read verse 17. Huh? You can read verse 17. 17 of what? James 4. James 4? Yeah. Didn't I read that? No, I read 17. Huh? Skip verse 17. I thought I read that. No. James 4. Though to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. I read that. I think you missed it. That knoweth to do honest things. I said that. And doeth it not to him it is sin. That's what sin is. Is to quit thinking about yourself and speak for others and think about them. Now over here in First John, here's the... This goes right back to the garden. God defined everything over there in the Garden of Eden. The four judgments of God are the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. They all four were in the garden. The beast was the serpent. He was more subtle than any beast of the field. And the word serpent, not cost, means to enchant or to feel good. And that's what lies do to you. Look here in verse 4. Chapter 3 of 1 John. Whosoever committeth sin, 
transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. The word transgression is the word anomia. That's the same word as iniquity. No law. No law for food. Am I out of time? No law for food. That's what it's about. Now, that is the tree in the garden. That's what Eve saw in the tree. That's distributing the fortunes of the world. And that's the meaning of the word daemonion or demon. To distribute fortunes. If you'll notice, this is all about self opposes God, which is God and others. We got to live for God and others and not ourselves. That's the reason. I'll tell you what's really close to pride. And that's paranoia. When a person is paranoid, they think everybody's out to get them. They're thinking about themselves only. We've had people come here, say, they don't like me. He didn't like me. She didn't like me. I think everybody's gossiping about me when they come here. I've had people say that. And nobody was talking about them. So whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. Unto him that knoweth the good do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So unbelief is sin. Iniquity is sin. And thinking about yourself doing good is just about me. That's sin. It's sin when you have not got others. The Bible says we're to look on the things of others, not of the things of ourselves. Which makes sure others, one of the best things I enjoy doing is helping people get up when they're down and feel downtrodden. I was a downtrodden person when I was young. And I like to help people up. What I'm going to try to do is go back to that that 14th chapter of Romans and I need to kind of explain the book of Romans to you. In, in Romans 14, it's talking about people coming into the church. you got Jews and Gentiles at Rome, and the Jews get to thinking they're better than the Gentiles because God loved them first. Sounds like Tommy Smothers. God loved you first. God loved you best. And I've got to go through that whole chapter because it's talking about these Jews that come into the kingdom, come into the church, and they are come in doing a lot of crazy things like trying to observe Levitical laws of foods in that 11th chapter of Leviticus, and they're eating herbs and abstaining from certain kind of meats. And God says, refuse... Receive these people without disputing with them. You're not supposed to be fighting people because they're weak, because that Levitical law was good in the Old Testament. There's nothing wrong with abiding by that. When people say, can you eat anything you want to? Well, First Timothy says you can in that fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter of First Timothy, the Scripture says that they are... Some men are commanding you to abstain from meats, which all are received with thanksgiving. You can eat ham. It may not be good for you, but you can eat it. It might give you a 
heart trouble later on, but so will all of the processed foods that we eat. You can't get away from processed foods. People say you can, but you can't. Even the ones that are supposed to be organic are not completely organic. I know I eat organic everything. I've got much more to say on faith. I've got a whole list of things of what faith is and what faith is not. And what love is and what love is not, or agape, and what truth is and what truth is not. Remind yourself of that verse, Second Corinthians 11 and 4. Just because somebody says, I'm a believer and I'm preaching, don't mean they're a preacher and don't mean they're a believer. They have to change. When you say you believe God or you believe in God, you have to do more than believe in God. You have to believe God. And if you believe him, you believe this book and it's the truth. And there is no other truth besides this book. So when we talk predestination, you've got to believe it. It's in the Bible. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. And God, we pray that you'll give us strength to continue. Supply all of our needs, fight our battles for us. And we'll praise for everything. Give you glory and honor for everything. Fight these battles of people that want to come and destroy us. And we'll praise you and give you glory for it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, there's another one.